You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. It is my privilege and joy to welcome into the podcast today, Purdue women's volleyball coach, Dave Shondell. Coach Shondell, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Well, thank you very much. It's it's an honor to be here, and uh, you've had some great guests on in the past, and I hope I can just uh, live up to some of that expectation, but we're doing pretty well. You know, we're in between uh, playing at Wisconsin last weekend and getting Iowa here this weekend and, uh, you know, just trying to get organized and maybe be a little bit better this weekend than we were last weekend. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you. And uh, yes, the season is underway. We will talk about that in just a few minutes. I will talk about, yes, we, we have a season now, finally. Talk about just how, how your girls are holding up and how yourself just kind of battling with this pandemic and being able to play. Well, I think everybody's doing pretty well. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to pay very, very close attention to our student athletes and, and, and make sure that they're navigating through this strange time the best that they can. Um, we're not walking in their shoes, so we don't know exactly um, what that's like, but we're trying to communicate with them as often as possible. I personally believe that being part of a team uh, with a purpose and with a, an agenda uh, is helpful at this time versus uh, flying by the seat of your pants and, and not really having uh, as much of a reason to to be here on campus and doing the things that you know that we're doing uh, but I also know that it's 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 really a strange time <laughs> and um, you know several of our players have you know had had the virus and I think the unknown of what that means, uh, whether it be now or be down the road, uh, is, is hard to, to accept. And they don't have a lot of, you know, none of our players have had any major impact from it when they got it. Uh, but there's still just too many unknowns uh, right now. But um, on-campus life is a lot different if you're a student athlete. Um, we're, we're trying to create our own bubble for our players if, if that's possible. And we get tested six days out of the week. And at this point in time, you know, it's important that nobody gets the virus because yeah. we don't want to lose them or anyone that might have contact tracing with them because it would be a bad time to do that. Yeah. And talk about that. I know there's a lot of questions whether these athletes should be playing, but, you know, maybe my perspective, I'm curious yours, you know, all the protocols that are in place at Purdue for these athletes testing and bubbles and, have just for their mental aspect too, of being together as a team and, and playing games and be able to focus on things like that. I imagine, at least for me, I, I think that's a, a good thing, right? To, especially with all the protocols in place. I really think so. And, I, you know, that would be a, a great question, you know, for our athletes uh, to share with you, whether they be volleyball, track and field, you know, whatever. But I've been really, really impressed with the job Purdue has done. Uh, with the protocol, with everything involved with this. Uh, you know, Mitch has been an outlier, obviously, with a, an assertive approach that he has taken, but he's been willing to put the money behind uh, making sure that uh, the information is out there and that, that people are safe, and, but yet education continues. So, uh, I mean, I think that we have, you know, Purdue's been a leader in that particular field, but I, I just feel safer myself, you know, being not quite in that, in the, I'm not sure what the categories are. I had a good friend pass away on Sunday um, that from COVID. It was 
10, almost 10 years younger than me. So I, um, but I, you know, we're trying to make sure that my wife and I, I'm sure like most people are, are doing the very best they can to not be out any more than they need to be. And uh, you know, our players are doing the same thing because they, they recognize that, um, you know, bad things can happen from this. So it's a, it's a crazy time. And I'm just praying that that vaccine is going to be effective and we can get back to life somewhat normal as soon as possible. Yeah, for sure. And my condolences to you. I saw your post the other day about your friends. So condolences to you and, and uh, his family as well. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the season is on under is underway and I can't think of a, a tougher way to start a season than having to go on the road against the number one team in the country. I got to watch a little bit of it on Friday night here at work. Uh, I think your girls, you know, held their own on there and played really well considering the, uh, the toughness of the game. Talk about getting the season started that way. Well, we were just, you know, I think people are happy to play right now after 13, over 13 months of not playing in competition. Uh, the big change this year is there was no non-conference matches. Normally we would play 11 or 12 non-conference matches. Some of them would be good quality opponents. Some would be uh, teams that you're supposed to beat. And we did not get any of that type of um, you know, practice or, or training under our belt before we jumped right into Big Ten play. And the Big Ten is the monster conference in the country for volleyball, uh, without a doubt. And not only is it uh, a tough conference, but we open up against uh, the defending runner-up in the country a year ago and the number one ranked team in the nation in the University of Wisconsin. And they did not have anybody that was out for any particular reasons. And of course, we had Grace Cleveland, who was uh, all Big Ten, a year ago and a, a real pivotal player for us on both sides of the ball. So we were kind of um, up against a real obstacle there, but I thought Friday, we were still a little bit, um, we didn't play very well Friday. In, in my opinion, we, we were very tentative, uh, didn't really go after it, didn't compete at the level that, that we needed to, to, I think, to make it a, a, a good effort. Uh, but we had time to think about it and, and get ready. And on Saturday, uh, even though the, the end of the result was the same, we lost both nights. But to be on national TV on both those nights, I think that we made a much better impression on Saturday. Uh, I walked out of that gym on Saturday feeling really pretty good about our performance. Uh, not only did Grace not play, uh, and I'm not trying to sound like a big baby, but um, Caitlin Newton, who's our other top gun that was a preseason All Big Ten selection, uh, is coming off of knee surgery and was, uh, you know, maybe 75, 80% at best. So your two top guns are, are not really there the way you need them to be. But I thought other players responded, which is what athletics and life is all about. You know, it's not the event. It's how you respond to the event. And I, I think that on Saturday, we did a nice job. Yeah, as I say, there, you mentioned probably your two most experienced, two top players out. And you got a really young team this year from looking at the roster as well. So imagine a great experience for them to just to get that get that under their belt and then yeah like you said bounce back from that and kind of learn and grow from a tough matchup like that right well the, the beautiful thing is that when you're missing players other people have to step forward and and they're getting opportunities that they would not have received had everybody been healthy and so now you develop depth you develop some confidence in some of those other players that when this happens again or you have to go to them because maybe somebody's not playing well, they're going to be much more prepared. So I, I believe in three weeks from now, we're going to be a really tough team and really hard to beat because we felt that way coming into the season. And then we had the, uh, the knee issue with Caitlin and then the, uh, 
uh, an illness that's not COVID related uh, with um, grace. And now we just feel like when, when those guys get back, uh, we're, we're going to be a, a really, a really strong ball club. Yeah. Talk about some of the strengths of your team this year. Well, I think our strength is in some of the key areas of the game, uh, serving and passing. And, uh, you know, serving is such a simple skill. It's kind of like shooting a free throw, but yet it's so valuable in the sport. And with, with good serving team, you can take your opponent out of their offense by forcing that first pass to be off the net 15, 20 feet. And if they can't pass the ball right to their setter, you know, right around three or four feet from the net, they can't run their fast offense. They can't run, you know, do the things they want to do. So the strong serving that we have, and last year, I think we had three of the top five in the, in the, in the, in the league in aces per game in uh, Newton and Otec and Cleveland. So uh, we've got some real strong servers and, and that's a big part of the game, even though it, it, it's not something that takes great athleticism, like you know, blocking and attacking, it's still, in, no matter what level you're playing in volleyball, it's still the most important skill. And then receiving the serve when the other team is serving, you know, aspirin tablets at you, you know, you've got to make sure that you have players that can pass. And we have an experienced group back there uh, led by Jenna Otek, who's a, a senior, uh, Marissa Hornung, who is a junior, and Maddie Skimmerhorn, who is a sophomore. Those three, I feel like, are the best trio in the league in passing. And then Caitlin Newton also passes her share for us as well and, and did a great job up at Wisconsin. So I think those two skills, plus just everything on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, with some of those same characters I'm talking about, Newton and Otek and uh, Horning and Skimmerhorn, a uh, really good defensive group. So, um, you know, we're still trying to figure out how good we're going to be offensively. Uh, right now, we have not been very good. We haven't had Cleveland and, and Newton's been, you know, not 100%. But I do think when we get them back, all of a sudden we evolve into a really good offensive team as well. Yeah. And they talk about any possible you know, challenges or weaknesses this year. I know we kind of talked a little bit about the youth. You got a, a pretty young team. Yeah, well, so far it's been blocking. Uh, in, in the two, two matches we played against the best team in the universe, um, blocking seemed to be a real problem, but we were afraid that was going to happen because our best blocker was on the sidelines um, cheering her team on and couldn't play. And it's amazing what having one player, it's like um, when we had the big fella um, blocking shots for us in basketball. Um, Matt, uh, Matt Harms? Before that. He, he got drafted, played about a year, and then he's been AJ playing Hammonds? somewhere. Hammonds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> best shot blocker we've had. I mean, yeah. just one of the best shot blockers I've ever seen. If you take him out of the game, yeah, you just lose him one player. Mm -hmm. But what he did uh, defensively was amazing to, yeah. to make up for deficiencies that you might have elsewhere. And same thing happens if you don't have Grace Newton. You can put her and she can control one side of the net for you. And then you can load up your block and release some people to, to block on the other side. So, uh, but blocking right now is something that we're really working on. And I don't think we're as bad as we showed uh, at Wisconsin. They're just so effective offensively and have so many big, you know, they got a six foot eight inch middle hitter. And, uh, and she was enough for us to try to focus on to begin with. But when there's two other hitters up there with her at the same time, it can be a real challenge for any team. Yeah, no kidding. Wow, six eight. We'll talk about the uh, the excitement or eagerness to return to Holloway Gym uh, this Friday and Saturday to get to play Iowa. Well, I think that we're eager to prove that we can beat people um, after you know dropping our first two. I don't know when in the time that I've been here that we've lost 
our first match of the season. But of course, we haven't been playing Big Ten opponents out of the gate. We've, we've been scheduling a little more wisely than that when we can control it. But um, I think our players are, are looking forward to that. It's not going to be the same atmosphere in Holloway Gym as it has been, you know, just like in Mackey Arena. It hasn't been the same for, you know, Matt and his team or Sharon and her team. But we're going to make the most out of it. And I think our players that are not in the game are going to have to make a lot of noise. I'm hoping that the, the fans that are on the pass list to get in, uh, mostly family members, are going to do what they can to create an environment for us to, to be excited about. But always when you play in your home venue that you practice in every day, and ours is um, a very confined, it's one of the smaller venues in, in the Big Ten, um, still holds about 2,500 if it's packed, but it's, it's a great place to play volleyball. Yeah. And so I know that our athletes will, will be ready and are, and are certainly looking forward to the, the home opener on Friday. Awesome. Well, we look forward to it, too. Uh, Coach, I remember uh, my senior year was your first year uh, okay. back in 2003, uh, 18 years. I believe this is your 18th season there now. I think yeah. that if I uh, did my homework correctly, third longest tenured coach, just talking about the, the privilege of getting just to, to coach at the same place for such a long time. And then to, not only just to do that, but to be consistently good and ranked almost every year, uh, just running such a, a clean and a, a great program up there. Well, you know, I coached high school volleyball for 21 years, and my dream was always to coach a Division I program. Um, the problem was that teaching, coaching, running the club, and doing some other things, I was, my income was high enough that I just couldn't take a job at some of the places that it offered me earlier on because I would be losing a tremendous amount of my, my income. But uh, when this job opened up, and it actually opened up four years before 1999 and I inquired about it, but um, got the impression from some other people that it wasn't the right time. And I was, I knew I was going to have some great teams at Muncie central coming in, coming back. And so I stayed and, um, but when it opened in 2003, after the 2002 season, um, I was adamant that I, I wanted to try to get this, this job and was just absolutely blessed that, you know, Morgan Burke, um, had the courage to, to hire a high school coach. I mean, just imagine, you know, Matt Painter uh, retiring or, or moving on and a high school coach being named as the, the coach at Purdue. That, that would be unheard of. And even though volleyball isn't quite as prominent um, as, as basketball, it was still pretty much unheard of. I've only heard of about four coaches go from high school to a head volleyball job at the Division I level. So I knew how lucky I was uh, to, to get this position. Uh, one of the reasons I got it was because they'd been bad. Uh, the team had not been very good uh, during your tenure. I can't blame you for that. But while you were here at Purdue, the, the team had not won a lot of matches. So not a lot of coaches were interested in the job. Um, but nevertheless, I was able to get it. And we knew our first job was to change the culture and the mentality of the team. And I, I feel like that's a strength that I, I and our staff have. And, uh, but it's every year you've got to do that. You know, it's not just when you get here that you have to develop that kind of uh, positive environment, that culture that creates uh, people that want to fight and compete and win. Uh, you do it every year because you're bringing in new players. Every, every team is different. You know, you might think, well, we just lost two seniors last year, so it's going to be about the same team. It's a totally different group because they're all a year older and you have, uh, you know, a handful of freshmen that have come in, new leadership. So it's neat, but I, I'm just very fortunate to be here. I am thankful for the former players and all of our coaches and our support staff that have provided just a great 
place for young people to grow and learn and Purdue's the a university that does attract, I think, uh, women athletes. Uh, I think female athletes uh, are attracted by the academics here, the safe community we have here. Um, the Big Ten, uh, how our conference is just, you know, the best volleyball conference in the world for, uh, for women. And uh, so uh, there's a lot of draws that we have here. And now it's just a matter of how we're, how we're going to top Wisconsin, Penn State, Minnesota, and, Penn, and uh, Wisconsin, those are the four that uh, here lately have been kind of uh, tough, to, tough to beat, but our plan is to do that and we're working hard to make it happen. Yeah, and I, I struggle to always ask this question to a coach because I think the answer is obviously winning a national championship, but talk about goals this year for this year's team, uh, what you have set and you have talked about with your team. Well, I think because of the COVID and, you know, not, you know, we, we never had full roster in the fall because of uh, quarantines, many, many because of contract contact tracing from somebody not associated with our program back then. Um, but it, it was hard to really get into a lot of rhythm. In some ways that helped us because other people were on the floor when we would scrimmage in, in, in positions that they needed to be in. Um, but, you know, our, our goal is always to do something we've never done here before, you know, whether that's, you know, I mean, we've won the we won the Big Ten back in the early 80s, okay? Uh, but since then, Purdue has not won the Big Ten in the sport of volleyball. So that's that's a big goal, but it's it's a it's such a monster accomplishment to win our league. Um, so you have you have to be careful when you set goals before the season, before you even know how good is everyone else in the league going to be. And you just kind of you know you know uh, shooting at the stars when you do that. But I, I think that we always want to go deeper in the tournament than what we have before. And in, in the last eight, eight or nine years, we've been to the, the elite eight twice. We've been to the sweet 16 several times, but uh, you know, we certainly would like to get to the final four. And I think that our program is to that level that we can make that happen. But the draw that you have in the tournament is always important. It's important uh, to, to get there. And, um, and then just having great competitors is important there. But I think, I think always our goal is to do better than anybody has ever done here before. And we've had the, the kind of teams that can make that happen. We just haven't got it done. Uh, well, we have gotten, I guess we got it done and we did go further when we went to the Elite Eight, but we haven't gotten past that point since then. Who gets to the, who gets to the Final Four first? You or Coach Painter? I don't care. <laughs> I, I, you know, I hope we both do. I hope we both win <laughs> national championships. I know that it's, it's, uh, it's a big deal and it, it makes the fans happy for mm -hmm. a certain amount of time and then they move on to something else, you know, and, uh, <laughs> uh, but man, what a, what a great coach we have in Matt Painter. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, uh, it's an honor to be, you know, he's another Muncie guy like myself. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I, I actually uh, coached uh, a JV, JV basketball for a while in high school, actually for seven years and uh, coached against Matt when he was a freshman at Delta wow. and we held the ball because they were undefeated. They were 18 and 0 and, and we had a good squad. We were probably 14 and three at the time, but we held the ball and Matt only scored six points in that, in that game. That was the lowest uh, point points he scored all season. So we were satisfied to some extent. That's hilarious. That's awesome. And you, you mentioned Muncie Central. I know you're from Muncie, like you just said as well. Did you go to Muncie Central High School or different? No, when I went to Muncie Northside, I graduated okay. in 1976 and then seemed like about 12 years later, the school close when the auto auto industry kind of uh, uh, started having an impact on Muncie and the enrollment started to drop. And so uh, I guess I'm still affiliated with Muncie Central, but I went to Muncie Northside at a time when 
um, life could not have been any better. Uh, we just had amazing uh, athletic teams and uh, just a great community to grow up in. And I wouldn't have traded it for anything in the world. Yeah, my mom's a Southsider. My mom went to oh, she's Southside. Southside Rebel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I had a lot of friends from, from Southside as well too. And later on, I used to play a ton of softball, just played softball all the time after I graduated from college. And uh, before I got too old, I couldn't couldn't play much anymore. But uh, a lot of those Southsiders were, were guys I played softball with. So uh, Muncie was a great town and still is a good town, but it's it's been hit pretty hard as, as you yeah. probably know. Yeah, my grandma just moved out from there for a few years ago. So it's oh, a bummer awesome. not getting up there anymore. Well, speaking of Muncie, then let's, let's stay on that. Uh, my favorite, uh, like to get your opinion on this, my favorite pizza of all time is Pizza King on, oh, yeah. Til on Tiltson Road too. Like you gotta go to Tiltson Road Pizza King. Your thoughts on that? That's, well, that's in my neighborhood, okay? Yeah. I grew up on that side of town. I went to Westview Elementary, which is about two blocks away from that Pizza King mm -hmm. that you're talking about. And if people, haven't tasted that particular style of pizza. They don't know what, what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't go back to Muncie without stopping and, and getting a, either a pizza King to go or, or, yeah. or eating right there. But it's, it's a little bit like Arnie's. I mean, Arnie's is as close as you're going to find I, the actual pizza Kings here. Pizza doesn't taste anything like the pizza King I agree. over there. It's still a good pizza, but it's not right. the same. Arnie's is, is as close in my opinion to that, the small, uh, crumbled sausage and uh, good pepperoni that's chopped up nice and tight. So, uh, yeah, that, no, there's no doubt that's the best pizza I've ever had. I credit I credit Pizza King for getting over some of my pickiness. I I never wanted anything on my pizza growing up, and then one time we were at Pizza King and there was no cheese only, and some came out with crumbled sausage, and it changed my life. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a good pie for sure. Uh, that's awesome. And do you still uh, uh, stay in touch with people at Muncie Central and continue follow their program? Oh yeah, I, you know I certainly do, and you know it's Muncie is down to one public school. Uh, South closed, North Side closed, Central is the only uh, you know public school. Muncie Burris is still there. It's kind of a, a lab school for Ball State University, but my dad is still living in Muncie, and uh, he's in a retirement center there. Uh, Ninety-two years old, turned ninety-two on New Year's Day, wow. and then my brother Steve. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Steve or not, but Steve coached at Burris in volleyball, then took the Ball State job after that. He was recently named, uh, my brother Steve, who's four years older than me, as the most successful coach in the history of Indiana high school sports. Wow. So Max Preps did a thing where they went across the entire country and named the, the, who's, who's the best coach ever in any sport in this state. And, uh, and my brother Steve was named the best coach. So think about all the great coaches wow. that coached high school. <laughs> in basketball, football, whatever, track and field, wrestling. And my brother, Steve, was uh, named as the, the top coach in the state. So obviously we're really proud of him. And he's a, he's a, a big reason why I'm where I am now because yeah. I followed his, uh, his footsteps almost to the T. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, except I'm not the most successful high school coach <laughs> in the state of Indiana. Hey, but you were very, very successful at, at Central, uh, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of brothers, your brother, John, is also part of your staff. Um, right. Talk about this having uh, him on your staff as well. Oh, yeah, love to. Um, first of all, he's a great coach. Um, he's the best assistant coach in America. Uh, he's been offered opportunities throughout his time here to go and take uh, power five conference head coaching positions, but he loves to be in the gym and be the guy that trains. He doesn't want to be the guy that's out 
doing what we're doing right now, I guess, you know, and necessarily <laughs> doing the, the promotion and the, the PR work. And um, he doesn't like to recruit that much, which is what a head coach does. Uh, his wife, Laura, uh, is a head of, uh, head of the pharmacies at San Franciscan Hospitals, uh, St. Franciscan Hospitals in, in the area. She was a Purdue grad and uh, he, he just loves, loves it here. He's got two daughters, but the best thing about, you know, John's 12 years younger than I am. And so when I grew up, you know, I spent some time with him, but it wasn't quite like we were pals, you know, I mean, uh, he was, I was, I had my own stuff going on and, and, uh, and so I didn't spend as much time with him then. So the beauty is here 18 years later, after we took the job here, now all of a sudden, you know, we're spending every day together. So it's been nice that we have been able to, to make up for a lot of time that we didn't get when we were younger because there was so much an age difference, but John's a phenomenal coach. The players love him to pieces. Um, you know, I, I don't know what will transpire, you know, down the road when, when my time is up here, but uh, he would certainly be a great choice to, to be the head coach here uh, because of his abilities and the fact the players, players just love, love how he operates. That's awesome. Did you ever try to talk your other brother into joining your staff? Well, you know, he was at Ball State and, and I think the stress got to him, you know, is when he was at Burris, he was winning about 95% of his matches, uh, maybe more than that. And then he went to Ball State and realized uh, this isn't quite the same routine here. You know, I've, uh, recruiting was hard. He'd be on some great kids and then they'd end up going to places like uh, Michigan or Michigan State or Ohio State and he couldn't quite uh, understand why they wouldn't want to come play for him. <laughs> but uh, we know recruiting is a lot about the name of the school. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, he's, he's retired now and just doing a lot of training with kids individually. Did you guys ever recruit the same girl? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, if, if we offered him, we, we always got him. That, it wasn't <laughs> because of me versus him. It was because Purdue versus Ball State. Yeah. That's awesome. Does that make it for any uh, awkward Thanksgiving uh, dinners? No, the Thanksgivings were all when he was coaching at Burris and I was coaching at Central. And uh, we were often the, the two top ranked teams in the state. And yet our sectionals prevented one of us from advancing beyond that. And for a long time, of course, Burris was, you know, Burris won 21 state championships, mm -hmm. 21 or 22, maybe 22 state championships. So for a long time, they were almost unbeatable. Uh, but then when we got the program built at Muncie Central, the, actually the last couple of seasons that we had single class sports, we actually beat Burris in the sectional and advanced uh, all the way to the state tournament play. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of awkward moments around there back then because we're both very competitive and, uh, I wasn't afraid to, to let Steve know what I thought about a few things, but <laughs> this is, it's much better that we're not coaching against each other anymore. I can promise you that. Oh man. I love it. These are great stories. And speaking of family, I, I love this when I'm talking to coaches and athletes at, around Purdue, just the, the feel and this common theme of, of family, you guys, um, produce such a family feel and not just within your own program, but amongst other programs. And as you know, especially like I, I've loved following you on social media and just seeing your support for basketball, women's basketball, wrestling, swimming, whatever it is. It's not even yeah. just the main sports. You are out there promoting all the other sports as well. Let's talk about that. Well, I think a lot of that is just how happy I am to be here. I mean, I realize that this is a rare situation that I have and it, you know, when Morgan Burke hired me in 2003, he literally changed the life, uh, not just for me, but for my family. And, you know, really put us in a, in a, in a better position. And this is the job that I, I was built for, you know, is to coach, be a head coach at a, a program like this. I, I really believe that. 
Um, but, you know, Morgan Burke, I think, always created this, an environment like this. It was kind of a, uh, you know, the, the, we don't have 35, 36 sports like Ohio State does or some of the other big, you know, bigger programs. We virtually have 18 sports. And uh, he always wanted to keep everybody kind of in the same building as far as the head coach. That, that became impossible as new venues were built and people began taking their jobs much more serious. Um, but yet, um, I still think that uh, there's enough of the old school here that people recognize that supporting each other is really, really important. At Purdue, even though now from a facility and a support standpoint, we have everything that we need. Uh, I think that there's, there's a feeling that we still are a bit of an underdog um, against some of the, the bigger name schools in uh, our conference and, and around us. And I've, I've always believed, and this is not an excuse because we'll, we use it to our advantage in other ways, but if you're not a state name school, if you're not even Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, people don't, people don't know where Purdue is. When I'm out recruiting, sometimes they don't even know where Purdue is. They, they, they think it's an Ivy League school, or if they know it's in the Big Ten, they're not sure where it is. And um, where if, if your name is, again, um, Michigan State, well, they got a pretty good idea where Michigan State is. And people grow up wanting to go to those schools. In this state, people grow up wanting to go to Indiana. I mean, I, I think that's fair. I mean I, I, I mean, I know it's changed a lot. I think the reputation of Purdue, even during the time I've been here, mostly the last 10 years, has drastically changed. And I give our, you know, give Mitch Daniels a lot of credit for that. I give, uh, you know, Morgan and now Mike Bobinski tremendous credit for that because we're changing. We've, we've re finally realized the, that it's important to have, um, I guess, the image uh, of, of a place that people want to go to. This campus looks totally different now than it did, even did in 2003. Look at the changes on Purdue's campus. But I think they realize that that image does matter. Uh, not just in recruiting athletes, but recruiting students and, and having just a great product across the board. So, um, you know, we, when, we, when we can get athletes here for a visit on campus, they are blown away by not just the campus itself, but more importantly, the people who are here and the people they talk to. So we know if, we got, if, we, if we're recruiting against anybody in the country, if we get them here for a visit, we've got a real chance to get them to commit to playing volleyball at Purdue. That's awesome. Yeah. Campus just every time I go back, it's just, I'm just amazed at all the changes and for the better as well. And, and you mentioned Mike uh, Bobinski, he's just do it. He's done an excellent job, a seamless transition. It seems yeah. up there and just continuing to lead the athletics department. So, yeah, well. he, you know, he, he was the right guy at the right time. Um, you know, um, he, he doesn't back away from anything. He doesn't, you know, mince his words. Uh, he's pretty straightforward about everything. And, uh, only problem Mike has had is he's uh, the COVID-19 has, has hit him and uh, there's not an athletic director right now enjoying his, their job because it's the toughest time in the history that I can think of for this. And, and uh, you know, I, I think he's done a great job and um, he's, uh, he's working harder than he's ever had to work in his entire life to, to keep things moving in the right direction. But I think our coaching staff across the board here is the best it's been since I've been here. Um, and it's just a matter of time when things settle down, that things, I think we'll, we'll see a lot of positive results from the various sports teams here, because I think they're in, there's great leadership here. Yeah. And he's done a great job with the, the more than a game program, uh, uh, program thing too, uh, this year, launching that more than a game and 
a great response from Purdue, from athletes, from former students, from John Purdue Club and everybody. Uh, yeah, and that was that was badly needed because the income, and this is the thing that, that always blows me away, is that every football game that was played was worth almost $500,000 to each school, mm-hmm. not to the Big Ten, but each school. So when those games started to get canceled, every school was losing almost $500,000 every time. And people don't get that. And, and then money's not coming in in any other way, except with through the John Purdue Club and, and the donations there. So, you know, I've tried to encourage our athletes to, to, to do whatever they can at this time, because there's, there's no time more important than right now. But I think that that group has done, done really, really well. And we're so thankful that the donors that could, could step up have stepped up in a big way. And I think that we'll still have the lights on here when uh, this thing finally ends. And, and yeah. I just know the fans are going to go crazy at that point because they, they want to be out watching the different yeah. sports teams. So looking forward to that. Yeah. I can't wait for, for a live game. I'm, I certainly miss it, whether it be volleyball, uh, football, baseball, whatever, basketball, just to, to, to see fans back in Mackey or wherever Ross aid Holloway, yeah. just to, I'm looking forward to that day when this pandemic is over and just getting, getting back to, to those good old times. Right. Well, and you know, I, I didn't get a chance to go watch football. I haven't had a chance to go watch basketball because we don't have, you know, they're not giving us tickets anymore. Yeah. I got a feeling if I would have pushed the envelope, I could have probably got into to one of those, but I've been trying to stay away. You mm-hmm. know, I, I mean, all those games luckily are on TV. So you kind of feel like um, you're able to participate and evaluate like a lot of fans like to do. Uh, but uh, boy, nothing like being in Mackey Arena, you know, for a basketball game. Yeah. For sure. Uh, it's going back to this whole family thing and, and social media and, you know, can you continue to support for other programs? I love seeing that. And then even your, your former athletes too, I always see you promoting former athletes, whether it's in their normal jobs or another athletics job or just yeah. whatever their accomplishments, accomplishments in life. So love seeing. Yeah. I, I just think that volleyball is a sport that mainstream media has not embraced. Um, you know, you see that, across the board. And that's just not here in, in West Lafayette. There are rare exceptions where the sports writers have some connection or have fallen in love with the sport and, and it's different there. And the beauty of social media is it's taken over media, basically, as we found out in yeah. politics. Okay. <laughs> um, but what's, what's great about it is you can, you can make up your, your, you know, you can present your own story. You can, you can bring the attention. And I think that, it's something that I was designed for. Uh, you know, I, I, my, my mom was uh, the journalism teacher in high school and I was a sports editor for both the yearbook and the newspaper and um, not a great writer, but I, I've got some writing skills. And I've, I've just always believed that, you know, if you want to pack Holloway Gym, you've got to be on social media. And if you want to have a following, um, you have to be on social media for your team. And same with, re- with recruiting. You know, they, they want to know who you are. And if you're going to hide, you know, somewhere and not be out on social media, not be approachable, that's not going to be good for recruiting. It's not going to be good for bringing in fans who want to know more about your program. So my biggest reason for being on there is it's, it's, it's our way of getting information out to our fans because they're not going to get it any other way. And the Big Ten network has been great. For, I mean, the reason that the Big Ten is the best conference in the sport of volleyball today is because of the Big Ten Network. The Big Ten Network was first 
uh, in the conferences of, of having a, a network like that. And uh, you know, Jim Delaney was going to make sure it was there was equity to some degree. Mm -hmm. And so now our the fans on the Big Ten Network we're the third third most favorite sport behind football and basket and men's basketball. Mm -hmm. They want their volleyball on TV. And we thought that COVID might hurt us a little bit because we're now we're all kind of playing at the same time. But our volleyball coaches said, we'll play anytime, anywhere to be on TV. Yeah. And we're going to have more matches on, on uh, volleyball matches on the Big Ten Network this year than ever before. So they, they've been really big in that. And, and we owe that Big Ten Network. Yeah. I mean, look at the facilities that we have on our campus right now. Okay, a big, big reason for that is the Big Ten Network. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's, it's changed the landscape of Purdue athletics. That's huge. Awesome, Coach. Thank you for, for sharing that. I love it. And, yeah. and, and well, one last thing, kind of on the, the social media, I know I get, you mentioned the politics, you know, it becomes old and there's times where it becomes discouraging. And you just want to quit Twitter. And then I see posts from you or other people I follow that just are posting positive, encouraging things. So thank you for that. Just to give us yeah, it, <laughs> something good. It, to it's, it's, it's never helpful to post anything negative. Yeah. I mean, uh, it just, it, I don't see the reason for it. I mean, that, but that's so much of what you see. And a lot of this is from people who are hiding behind a different name, but uh, it's also people that are just out there and, and, and they're angry and they're upset. And, and sometimes they, they post things that make hundred percent sense. But I just, um, if you see something that comes off negative from me, let me know because that's not who I want to be. That's not who I, I want our program to be or I want Purdue to be. I mean, yeah. this is such a, a great place. And we've got, you know, our, our student athletes are incredible. The volleyball team I have right now, I wouldn't trade for any group of players in any sport in the entire country. We may not win a championship. We may not, we may not go 500, who knows, okay? But uh, I, I sure love walking in the gym with them every day. And, and it's not that they don't have problems because every, everybody's got problems. Mm -hmm. It's just how do you approach those, those problems when you have them? And, and we know that they're of high character and they care about each other. And uh, they even care about our staff. So that's a good thing. That's awesome. Just such a great perspective, which reminds me of another, another guy, one of our, our dear friends, uh, Tyler Trent. I, I know part of the social media thing was I, I really got turned on to you and following you on, on Twitter, I think was around uh, two to three years ago when you started really following Tyler's story and um, uh -huh. what an inspirational one it was. Can you take me back to your first interaction with Tyler, if, if you will? Well, you know, I'd seen him around at some e events and, um, you know, knew there was something special about him, him at that point in time. And he, he wasn't a hundred percent healthy at, at that point. And, but, uh, I just had seen him and then of course, you know, seen him in the paper and some things like that. And then I had a, a connection through volleyball with his family. There was a, a coach that knew them and, and had asked for me to, to reach out to him. And, and so I did. And, uh, you know, we asked him if he would be, uh, our, uh, not volunteer guest coach our guest coach for our first tournament, uh, home tournament of the season, uh, in, in that year that he got all of his, uh, uh, notoriety, I guess we, we, we should say, and without questioning, he couldn't wait to be that guest coach. And not only did he help us help us coach, he came in the day before and met with our team for an hour in our video room and just talked student to student. Okay. With our athletes about his experience and his life growing up. And, you know, when he found out, you know, he broke his arm and what that led to and in, in finding out that he had, uh, you know, the, 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 the cancer disease that he, that he had, but he never flinched. 
he told the story and, and, and not that he didn't get emotional a little bit, but I mean, it was just like, this is the way it is. And his faith in God was just, I think, the message that he sent to everybody beyond anything else. I mean, he sent a lot of great messages during his time, but the fact that your faith in God can persevere through anything and, and we all need that. Yeah. And so I thought that was the most amazing thing, but they see him sit up there and talk to our players about, you know, throwing that Frisbee and hearing something snap in his arm and, and, and knew that something wasn't right. And, and just what he went through, but how he was not going to give up and that he had aspirations of being around for, you know, a long, long time. And then, uh, you know, last chance I got to see him was at the Ohio state game. And uh, I was up you know, the, the suite that I get to share with basketball um, is on the same level of, as a president's uh, suite. And somebody said, Hey coach, he said, Tyler's down the president's suite. He'd like to, he'd like to see you. So I said, really? And I said, okay. So I went down and after I think ESPN had been in there at the time and they finally cleared out of there. <laughs> and, and I went in and, um, you know, walked up, he was sitting down and came up behind him and, and he was in phenomenal spirits at that point in time, a little, a little tired. Yeah. I just got done with ESPN. And uh, at that point in time, as you know, it was a miracle that he even got to the game right. because nobody thought he was going to be able to do that. And he was there and we had a really, really good uh, conversation uh, at that point in time. And somebody, I think uh, Charles Jiski, one of our photographers here, Purdue Athletics took a, a photo of, of that. And it's on, I mean, it's, it's the biggest photo on my wall right now. Uh, that photo. Uh, so I'll always have that and, and be able to remember that last conversation uh, that we had and, and what he meant uh, to, to everybody. And that was what, what we shared that, you know, he'll never understand the difference that he has made in the lives of, of so many others. And, uh, and then, you know, obviously he, he kind of went downhill a little bit from there, but what a night that was. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I'll never have a night like that experience yeah. and, and to, to know that that doesn't happen without him, without this guy that weighed about 110 pounds, that does not, that night does not happen. I'll get, I mean, Jeff Brom did a great job. Don't get me wrong. The players did a great job, but that was magical. Yeah. Okay. That, that happened because the spirit that that little guy brought in to Ross H stadium and, and throughout the, his time here, it was just something that you, you just won't see. You may not see again, anything quite like that. Yeah, incredible. And you, you mentioned his faith. I know you and I share that too. And, you know, he, he truly lived this out yeah. uh, even to his last day. Just an incredible inspiration to us all. And I've shared on this podcast many times, just the inspiration be behind me starting this podcast, just his yeah. you know, passion for Purdue and just sharing his story and just uh, getting to do this. So what an incredible man. What do, you, what do you think just his lasting legacy will be for not only just, you know, Purdue, but just anybody who knew him or heard his story? Well, I just think that, um, again, I go back to his, his belief um, that God's plan is, is your plan. Yeah. And, you know, I, I go back and I think, you know, we talked earlier, we don't want to make this a real emotional show, but um, <laughs> I had a, a former Ball State volleyball player. I didn't play with him, but I, I, I've known his dad, who was a Ball State player for forever, and him, uh, Chris Beerman, who was a, a Division One volleyball coach. And he got COVID and uh, this guy's six foot four, a three-time All-American, probably the greatest player to ever play volleyball at Ball State. He's 53 years old. He catches a COVID virus. Two weeks later, he's dead. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I keep 
you know, when those things happen, if you don't have this incredible faith in, in Jesus Christ and, and that you, he's going to help you deal with those things. And there's a, you know, there's a, gotta be a reason why that happened. You know, it's impossible to understand why, but if you don't have that, then you're in for a long life, a uh, long and, and tough life. And, and I feel poorly for people who don't have that because I, I think that that's what gets people through the tough times. And I think to me, that's what, what he showed to so many people was that this is how you deal with it. Yeah. He, I mean, he never wavered, never wavered. Here's a, a kid who's gone way too soon, dying of cancer. He never wavered yeah. in his faith that God's plan is, is the plan. And, but, but while I'm here, I'm going to deliver. Yeah. I'm going to deliver while I'm here. And to the day he died, he was still raising money for cancer. Yeah. He was still talking his talk and, and walking the walk. So it was an amazing story. We'll, we'll never see another one like it. Yeah. The platform God gave him that he used to his yes. you know, full ability was just amazing. And I'm so blessed and to have gotten to know him. And I know his parents, we go to the same church down here in Indianapolis. And yeah, great people. Tony and Keller are just amazing. And his brothers as well, Ethan and Blake, and just yeah. getting to know them. And uh, yeah. Uh, you're right. There's, you know, anytime I'm having a bad day or want to grumble, I just think about, you know, this verse and, and just, yeah. you know, there's so many things to be grateful for. And just, you just let it. It's, it's just a great reminder for people, you know, and that's why all people that, that go through any experience like Tyler went through, they just want to be remembered for something, you know, and of course he can, he can change lives. He changed lives. He can continue to change lives. And, you know, when you coach young people or you're a, you're a father or now a grandfather, um, there's going to be opportunities to share his story. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm going to share, share it today with somebody because, you know, we have a player that's got, you know, is going through some tough times. And again, it isn't that we're going to say, well, his time was tougher than yours. So, you know, right. toughen up. It's that, how are you, how are you going to deal with this? There's a way to go about dealing with what you're dealing with and have an outcome that is going to be productive instead of an outcome that's going to be negative. And, and I, you know, uh, easy to say to somebody, but if you have, if you have the ammunition that he provided for us, mm -hmm. then, you know, you've got a chance to make a difference with somebody. For sure. Wow. Coach, I love this conversation, especially the way we're ending this year. Um, thank you so much just for sharing about your experience with Tyler as well. I just, Love you. He's just an incredible man. I, I, again, I feel blessed that I was able to to get to know him and yeah. and you know be a, just a tiny, tiny, tiny part yeah. uh, of his life. But uh, uh, he was a huge part of mine mm -hmm. for sure, definitely. Awesome, Coach. Anything else that I didn't ask you that you want to talk about today? Well, just you know, we got get Iowa this weekend, and uh, it, it's a tough league, um, and it's going to be different. You know, when when you don't play those eleven or twelve, and you've seen that in basketball no non-conference games. So the, the records are going to look a little bit different. Yeah. You know, look, look at Duke, you know, what yeah. their record looks like this year when they, <laughs> when they didn't have 12 people to beat up on before they started the season. And I realize that Duke's not the same team. They, they have been uh, just a rare set of circumstances, yeah. but everybody's records are going to look different um, when you just play teams of your caliber, which is, you know, kind of the way I suppose it should be, but uh, it'll be an interesting season, but I like the group that I'm going in with and, uh, I appreciate that the job that you're doing of sharing the, the 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 good positive stuff that's happening here at Purdue, even during a tough time. I appreciate that, Coach. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure is all mine to to talk to you today, and look forward to this pandemic getting over, and hopefully, and get the family up to the game. I got 
one son and two young daughters. Uh, I would love to see them watch. Well, you games. you let me know. You get back in touch with me. I've got a pass list. I can get yeah. you know I can get a handful of people in with, and I'd be happy to take care of care of you. Just uh, reach out to me whenever you think you might be able to to be available because I want. I want to make sure I'm using all my pass list because we need everybody, everybody that we're allowed to have. We want them in that, in that gym. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate that coach. Thank you so much. And I look forward gotcha. to getting back up on campus sometime and getting to uh, spend some more time with you. Okay. Thanks so much, Adam. Have a great day. You as well. Take care. Okay. Boiler Bye-bye. Up. Boiler up. A reminder, you can follow the full steam ahead podcast on Twitter at full steam pod. And you can always listen to like comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.